Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about Empty Nest Remix. Today, we're talking specifically about the way you send your kids off one way, but they come back a different way. It's about the transformation and transition of your kids coming back home after they've been away, especially after graduation. Back to the nest, which is no longer empty. Lots to think about, lots to talk about, big adjustments. All right, so let's dive in into this whole topic I'm calling Empty Nest Remix. Let me tell you why I'm calling the episode something that sounds like the name of an album. And yes, I said album because that's what you grew up with. Me too. Albums, stereos, cassettes. Now we're talking, right? (laughs) I called this episode Empty Nest Remix because of the definition of remix. Remix means a piece of media which has been altered from its original state by adding, removing, and changing pieces of the item. So in this case, we're not talking about media. We're talking about your kid who flew the coop and then flew back. But your kid isn't the same anymore. A lot's happened since being away. Your kid has been altered from his or her original state by experiences, independence, friends, teachers, coaches, and education and is now different than before. Yes, part of the change is just plain old maturing, but it's more than that. The experience of going away means that he or she has a life that you don't know as intimately as the life before going away. Way more people that you don't even know have had a significant effect on shaping your kid. Way more experiences that you're not aware of have had a big impact on who your kid is now. In general, it's just way more of everything that you know way less about. And you've gotten used to that empty nest, the quiet, the privacy, the flexibility, less laundry, fewer groceries, less mess, less cooking, less coordination related to the car and the shower and the hot water. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I know you love your kid, but when you're completely honest with yourself, I'm sure you noticed a pause a realization that you had mixed feelings, an awareness that there will be ups and downs. I hear you. It's an adjustment, a transition, and there are most likely a few bumps in the road coming your way. (laughs) So the way I see it, you got to do some planning in advance, or you might find yourself with situations you're not prepared for, and you might have some feelings you're surprised by, and maybe even some regrets. Here's what I mean. One of the things your kid is the most excited about when they leave for college is independence. If they aren't that excited about it right away with all the adjustment and everything, they eventually start to really appreciate it. It's probably the first time in their lives that they have had so many decisions about their daily life be totally up to them. From when they get up to when they eat to what courses they take to when they exercise to when they go to bed, like all of it, right? Or not. Maybe they don't do those things. I interviewed one of my kids on episode 43, and he talked about all about what independence meant to him. So check that out. It's called Empty Nest from the Inside Out, 
and it really will give you some great insight. Anyway, they're managing a credit card for the first time. Many of them are cooking for the first time. Many are coming and going with social plans and not checking in with mom or dad for the first time. Many are setting their schedules for the first time, like I mentioned. And many have a boyfriend or girlfriend for the first time with little parent or family involvement and lots of privacy. Now, you know, as your midlife coach, it's not my job to tell you what to do or what to think. And you also know that what you think matters. You can ask your friends for their opinions and you can ask for support and guidance from the other friends who are a little ahead of you and have dealt with this. That never hurts, of course. But in the end, being more mindful and aware of what you're thinking and feeling is critical to a smooth transition because then there's the part when they come back. And many of you will be dealing with this right now. From what I can tell by watching my friends, the toing and froing, the coming and going can go on for a good 10 years or so until the kids really settle in and move out for good. So you need to settle in too. But this can be tricky at the best of times with adult kids, especially when you have more than one kid and there are these transitions of leaving and coming back and each kid might come and go at a different time. One kid might go and come back and go more than once even. And you're standing there wondering, where did the time go? Who's coming home for dinner? (laughs) They might be back for a pit stop, like for the summer, or they might move home. Some are graduating. Some have jobs that start soon. Some don't. So they're not only home, but stressed out about money and not having a job. Either which way, they're back home. Emphasis on the word back. It feels backwards. They know it and you know it not making the same progress in terms of independence that they had, right? Those university days are over in a blink. I remember what it was like for me. Do you remember? I had an extra wrinkle of being in a foreign country on a student visa. I'm American and I was studying in Canada. I, If I didn't have a job offer, I would have had to leave the country. The thought of going back home scared me to death. I didn't want to go back home in every way. It felt backwards and it felt negative, like like I hadn't made any progress. The idea actually made me feel lost and completely like scared, really scared. It was so weird to have such negative emotions about going home to a place that I loved, people that I loved, and an affordable option. Yet, it felt super scary and bad. It felt really bad to me, like horrible. <laughs> like really horrible. So your kid has mixed emotions too. A sense of loss, some overwhelm, and a good dose of fear of the unknown. And I'm in the middle of all this transition too. Coming and going, one coming to stay while he saves to leave again, one living at home part-time while in grad school, one back for a working internship year but living downtown for the year in an apartment with a roommate. The other two brothers are totally happy about this because they have an external place to go and hang out. So lots of transitions, mixed emotions, and excess furniture right now with all of this moving about. The excess furniture is a weird part of this story too. I had been saving furniture for my kids' future apartments for years. We have this large uh, storage space, like a crawl space. It's it's big enough for me to stand up, so it's like not like a crawl space that you have to actually crawl in, and it's very spacious. So it wasn't really a problem to have a plethora of desks, dressers, and beds kicking around for all those years. 
And I have to admit, I felt pretty good when my kids had plenty of stuff to furnish three apartments. I felt like, hey, I was pretty smart to keep all this stuff. And when we started talking to the kids about moving out of their apartments, like moving out, emptying them, I realized that we no longer needed all of this furniture. That really struck me. This phase was over. I'd been saving stuff for more than 15 years and I didn't have to do it anymore. You know, if they were moving home to start working, they would have money and they probably wouldn't want some of this crappy stuff (laughs) that had been kicking around. Some of it had been kicking around. Like I had two dressers down there that I used when I was in my first apartment in my 20s. My husband's desk was down there, the one he used to study all those years. And you know what? We do not need all those single beds anymore. Once you stop sleeping in a single bed, you never go back. (laughs) Do I save them for another 10 years or so for grandchildren? At this point, I don't really think it's my problem. I think it's time to get rid of them. So that's a brief overview of the transition. Kids moving home and have mixed emotions because they feel a sense of loss about independence and some fear and overwhelm. You have mixed emotions, too, about your kid moving home, perhaps a sense of loss, too, for the quiet, less complicated life that you got used to, even though you're happy they're home. Loss of independence, privacy, freedom at your end, too, a bit. You probably feel some confusion. What do you want it to be like? How will you navigate the new relationship with your young adult? What should the house rules be about chores, about overnight guests, about the kitchen, about the car? about messaging and checking in. How do you want to feel? How will it work sharing a car again? How much do you want to cook? What are your expectations? These are just some thought starters, but the reason this is also important is because if you don't sort it out in your mind, you will start acting on your thoughts and feelings about how your kid should be behaving regardless of whether your kid can read your mind or not. At the Life Coach School, we call this having a manual. A manual is an invisible instruction book for how we want others to behave so we feel better, so we feel good, so we feel loved, more happy, respected, that sort of thing. So if that person doesn't do what we want them to do, we feel bad. If they do what we want, we feel good. But there's a problem. You can't control other people. You can only control what you think and how you respond to things, right? And having a manual like this for other people's behavior is really giving your power away. You're giving your power to this person to grant you those good feelings. But remember, you can't control people, so you actually set yourself up for some pain. That's no fun, so let's talk about it. Here's an example. Let's start with coming home for dinner. So with more adults in the house, you might find yourself buying more food and cooking more food. You have to think about what your expectations are around family dinners. Will you have regular family dinners? Do you want to cook for your family at all? If you don't think about this in advance, it's easy to have a manual about it, something like this. Hmm, if you don't come home for dinner, I won't feel loved. Really think about what's going on in your brain. What about this? If I make dinner and you don't join us, I won't feel like you care about us. See what I mean? But the dinner itself, my friend, is neutral. It's just some molecules on a plate. (laughs) Of course, delicious molecules. But molecules nonetheless, you can see what will happen if you don't get clear about what's going on in your mind. Imagine you made a nice dinner. You squeezed it into your already busy day. Then before you know it, it's 9 p.m., but the dinner is still in the warming drawer. 
Nobody came home. Nobody called or texted their plans not to come home. This exact thing happened to me last week. Think about how you would feel. My bet is that you might feel taken for granted, confused, maybe even sad because you made the dinner thing mean something. And then you'll most likely do or say something because you feel this way. The reason you feel this way is not because the dinner is sitting in the warming drawer. It's because of what you made it mean that your kid takes you completely for granted and doesn't care how you spend your time. <laughs> that you give your emotional power away to your kid and you can't control what your adult kid does. This is super unnecessary. You can feel any way you want because your thoughts create those feelings for you, not your kid, not the dinner. So what should you do? I would suggest thinking in advance. <laughs> Decide what you want to do about dinner in the future. Figure out a way to think about dinner that creates the feeling you want. You can't make your kid value your time, but you can value your time. See what I mean? And then, of course, you can communicate better with your kid. This is way better than waiting to respond to what your kid does. You can look at your calendar and see what day of the week makes sense. You can ask your kid in advance when he or she will be home for dinner and see if that works for you. You can ask your kid to be responsible for making dinner one night each week. How about that? You can decide not to be responsible for dinner in general, maybe just the groceries. Or who knows what else you'll cook up when you start thinking creatively about solutions and better yet, what you actually want to think and feel and do going forward. The idea is to set clear expectations and have clear consequences for not meeting those expectations, right, with your kids. And when you do this, you'll have no reason to be emotionally hurt if or when they fail to meet those expectations. You'll know if you have a manual for your kids if you're emotionally affected by their behavior. That's the difference. This is where the self-coaching magic can happen because it's so darn empowering. Fun times, right? For example, the thought, if you're not home when I serve dinner, I will just put it away. This thought makes me feel calm. This thought, I will make dinner when I have time to do so, creates an amazing feeling for me. I feel self-respect. I feel control. I don't feel pressure. I like those feelings in my life, so I can create that more often. Here are a few more common things a well-prepared woman in the middle should probably put on her agenda to think about and talk to your kid about. If you don't understand how you think and feel about overnight guests of How's your kid supposed to know? If you don't check in with yourself around what goes on in your house when you're not home, how's your kid supposed to know? If you don't know what your expectations are around chores and cutting the lawn, for example, how will your kid know? If you don't know what your expectations are about paying for things for your kid at this age, how's your kid supposed to know? If you're not clear about what your thoughts are about drinking and drug use, how's your kid supposed to know? Your adult kid. This can have an extra fun element where um, cannabis has recently become legal, like in Canada. So you have to really check in with yourself. What are your thoughts? What are your expectations? What are the consequences while your kid lives at home? And does your kid know all this good stuff? That's really the question. You just can't have your head in the sand or things will get messy. And the bottom line is your relationship. This is about your relationship with your kid. It's on the line. 
And my guess is you want a great relationship with your kid at any age. So even though things are in flux right now, you can still navigate it like a boss with some thought work at the front end. So here are six steps to help you have an easier transition with your adult kid who's back home. Step number one, increase your awareness of what you think about your expectations. What do you want your kid to do? You may not know what's in your brain, but when something happens or doesn't happen, it will become painfully obvious. So dig around up there, my friend. Step number two, become better at noticing your feelings. Practice thinking about what you will make it mean if your kid doesn't do what you want them to do. Run a few scenarios in your head. If you notice you have a tendency to feel taken for granted or disrespected or unloved, don't just ignore it. Remember, it's your thoughts that create your feelings, not the thing that was said or done. You might have some manuals for how you want your kid to behave so that you feel better or loved. That kind of thing might be going on. It's totally okay to have expectations and house rules, but it doesn't feel good to give your emotional power away to someone else. Step three. Step three is all about communicating your expectations and consequences. This means having actual conversations with your kid about his or her expectations and you communicating your thoughts about yours. Look for gaps. (laughs) In the end, be super clear about what you expect during this phase of your kid living in your home. Remember, your goal is to be clear about expectations and consequences and not being emotionally affected by your kid's behavior. Step four, practice feeling what you want to feel about your kid regardless of what he or she says. Think about navigating your relationship with your adult kid. We talked about this a bit in episode 98 about your inner circle. Do you want to feel patient, curious, respect, love? It's common to take this for granted, but you can feel what you want to feel because it comes from your thinking. Step five, try being curious about your kid. Be more curious. Remember, they're not the same now that they've been out there in the world without you for a few years. Being curious will help you be less angry and less frustrated when they do weird, inconsiderate things. After all, they've been thinking about themselves for a few years now, and, you know, it's an adjustment for them too. It will also help you ask better questions to reconnect again now that they're back. Step six. Practice keeping your mouth shut more often than you used to. (laughs) Try to find that balance of respecting your kid's ability to make mistakes and gentle guidance, right? The balance between those two things. It's not a clear road. You'll have to figure it out for yourself. And it can be really painful to watch this part. Your kid making mistakes, but your kid will make mistakes. So here's something interesting to think about. What if those mistakes are perfect? and help them in some way? What if the mistakes were supposed to happen so that growth would come out of it? What if the mistakes open a better door and help with some amazing insights? You can choose to think about it this way instead if you want, right? Because the other option is the painful, is like focusing on that painful experience that your kid is having. So that's up to you. They might bounce a check, They might forget appointments. They might not think of everything when they plan something new. They might not ask you what they can do to help. But remember, helping your kid help himself or herself solve problems, recover from a mistake, 
and get used to dealing directly with the administrivia of life, like paying bills and making doctor appointments, it's a very good thing. After all, you have worked so hard to get your kid to this point as a high-functioning, almost independent young adult, and now you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Pun intended. Nice job, Mama. It could be time to celebrate. That's a whole other way to look at things. All right. As you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck and live your best life because there is way more fun to be had. If you want to finally focus on getting unstuck, like step on the gas already, there's no better mechanism, no better way when you know you're meant for more like this and you're wasting valuable time than to move forward with a community of women just like you. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and create your exciting next chapter. I want to invite you to apply to the Women in the Middle Academy. It's a six-month coaching program where you get all the support you need to apply what you're learning here in the podcast, but more importantly, you get expert coaching, curriculum, and a community to get clear about what you want so that you don't have regrets. Don't waste another second feeling stuck. Go ahead and apply. Just fill out the quick and easy application when you book your momentum call and we'll have a quick chat. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and you'll see the episodes there. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein and I'll talk to you next week. 